parenting. It's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. So in today's episode, I'm going to be answering a listener question. And our listener writes in wanting to know what to do about her four-year-old daughter interrupting at the dinner table. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I just want to mention, I have an amazing free resource for you called Six Mindset Shifts to Transform Your Parenting. I know these mindset shifts are transformational because these are the shifts that I had to make to get from a place of overwhelm and constant frustration and losing my cool way more than I would like to admit to feeling like, you know what? I've got this. I've got a handle on this. Even when it feels really hard, I feel confident that I'm doing the right thing and that I don't have to be perfect in doing the right thing. So if you haven't grabbed your copy, raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset, it's totally free. I think it will be a game changer for you. Okay. So our listener writes, my four-year-old daughter has been interrupting us constantly at mealtimes lately. It's really frustrating because I feel like I can't have a conversation with my husband. And I'm also trying to feed her baby brother, who is seven months old. So I feel like there's a lot going on and it's just so challenging when I get two sentences into a story and I'm interrupted. Okay. So first of all, to our listener who wrote in, thank you so much. And I hope that my response will give you some actionable strategies. And for anyone else listening who's dealing with this, just know this is so, so common for kids. And I'm going to talk about why it happens and how we can respond in a way that's loving and meets the need while also making sure that we get our needs met too. Because I genuinely think that's the definition of real respect is that you've got two people in a relationship, both have needs. How can we work together to get both of our needs met as best we possibly can, right? Also, if you have a question for the podcast, you can go to raiseresilient.com forward slash questions and you can submit your question there and then I will get to it as soon as I can. So just know that if you're thinking about something going on with your child, you can write your question and I will do an episode on it um, if I can, okay? All right, so let's talk about why this child might be interrupting. So there's a lot going on here. First of all, this child just got a sibling. And if you haven't listened to the episode I did on siblings a while back, it's really important to know how hard it is for kids. That's a great episode, by the way. It's worth listening to. And I will talk more about siblings. There is so much more to say about siblings. But just in the context of this question, it's really hard for kids to adjust to having a sibling. In the book, Siblings Without Rivalry, Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish say, that it's like if your spouse brought home another partner and said, 
you know what? I love you so much that I'm going to get another partner just like you. And it's your job to make this person feel super welcome. Share your things. You're going to have to give me a lot of time with them to make sure that they really adjust. So I'm going to have to just see you in a little while and asking ourselves, how would we feel if that was the situation, right? For most of us who are in monogamous relationships, that would be absolutely unsettling. And we might fear that we're going to lose our place as someone that our partner really loves. We might fear that we're going to be replaced. And I promise you, even if your child isn't saying that, that is what your child is feeling. This primal jealousy, this primal fear of being replaced. So it's a really big adjustment. And I've had so many parents I've worked with say something to the effect of, well, yeah, but the baby's seven months old by now. Shouldn't she have had her time to adjust? Here's the thing. There's no timeline on how long it takes kids to adjust. And I have seen these primal jealous patterns play out for years, maybe through the entire sibling relationship. And we can set them up with conflict resolution skills and we can support them both. But the fact remains that it's a big adjustment and there is no timeline on how long it can take for your child to really feel settled about it. So you've got this child who went from being the only child to now having to share mom and dad with a sibling. And now at dinner, mom and dad are very understandably wanting to have a conversation. But this child is feeling completely pushed to the side. Maybe this child is feeling something to the effect of, you know, all day you're hanging out with my brother, taking care of him, feeding him, changing his diaper. And then daddy comes home and I'm so excited to see you guys. And now you want to talk to each other and not to me. Now, parents, I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I hope you know by now that is so never, ever my goal. I just think it's really important for us to see this through the lens of what's going on for our child in this moment. So you have every right to want to have an adult conversation. And that is not something that you should feel bad about. But we also need to see it through the lens of our child's viewpoint. And this child is probably feeling really sidelined. So I would do a couple of things. The first thing that I would do if this was my child, and this is something I have done with my kids, is I would pull the four-year-old aside and have a conversation about, you know, I haven't really said this to you, but gosh, it is really hard to get a brother, isn't it? Sometimes you might wish you didn't even have a brother. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's not saying those things. I don't want to introduce those negative thoughts to her. I want them to have a good relationship. And I hear you. And this will not preclude them from having a good relationship, I promise. The thing is, when we create space for our kids to share even their quote unquote dark thoughts, right? Even the thoughts that they might be afraid to say out loud, that makes them feel safe and fully accepted. And I guarantee you that even if your child hasn't articulated those feelings, they're there. They might not even be conscious, but it's so important that you speak them so that your child feels safe and accepted and acknowledged in feeling those things herself. Separate of that, I would make some space for some one-on-one time. And this doesn't have to be every day. I know your plate is probably already really full. You're dealing with a baby 
and a preschooler and probably many, many other things that I don't even know from the letter. And so I really just need you to know, I see you and any parents dealing with the transition to having a new child join your family or just trying to manage life with kids and a partner and a job and, and, and it is, it's a lot. Okay. But where you can one-on-one dedicated time is going to be so helpful and it doesn't need to be a long drawn out experience. It doesn't need to be leaving the house. It doesn't need to be expensive. It can be 10 minutes on the floor playing with your child, letting her call the shots. Truly, it could be that simple. So I want you to think about building that in as often as you can. If you can't do it every day, that's okay. I guarantee just doing it is going to be really important. And here's the other thing. You need to make it a thing with your child. So you need to let your child know we are going to start doing this really fun thing and we're going to do it as many days as we can. I can't promise it'll be every day, but we're going to try to do it as often as we can. We're going to set a timer and I am going to focus only on you. I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to put work away. I'm not going to talk to daddy. I'm not going to talk to your brother. So you could do it during the baby's nap time if you can, or after the baby goes to bed. And I am just going to focus a hundred percent on you. You can even give it a name, right? Like mommy and Maya special time or mommy and Maya play time. But I would focus with your child on making this a thing. Because if you just do the one-on-one time, that's great. But even better, if you can let your child know, I care about you so much that I am dedicating this time just for you. So that's another thing that you could do. And if your partner can do it too, that would be amazing. So separate of you, right? Special time with both parents. So now let's talk about the dinner table. I would do a couple things at mealtime. And then I'll talk about one other thing you can do ahead of time to give your child a skill to use and to work on when they have something they want to say. But first at dinner time, I would, before you have any adult conversation, ask your child, what was your favorite part of the day? Or what was a time you felt silly today? What was a time you laughed today? What was a time you felt sad or mad today? Right? Ask your child these questions as opposed to how was your day, right? Because I think that can be kind of overwhelming for a four-year-old and they might not know exactly what to say. A lot of times young kids live in the moment. And so if you just ask them, what was your favorite thing from today? And it might be something very recent because again, a lot of times young kids do live in the moment. might be when I saw daddy five minutes ago, right? But that's okay. This shows your child that they are a priority. And then after that, you can say, now I'm going to ask daddy how his day was and you can listen and daddy will tell both of us. So you can have that adult conversation, but as your partner and you are talking to each other, include your child, right? So you can still be telling about this thing that happened at work that was so frustrating, but you can be saying it to your child too. My partner is amazing at this. He will, and he's done this since my oldest was small and he just kind of did this naturally, but He would be telling a story about something that happened at work and he would make his facial expressions a little more animated and he would include my son and say, yeah, and then this thing happened. What do you think about that? Right. And so my son felt like he was part of the conversation and that helped so much. Now, yes, that does take a little more energy and no, it's not probably the free flowing, non uh, stressful conversation that you really need to have with your partner. 
but you can do those things at other times, right? You can make space for that after the kids go to bed. When you're talking to each other in front of the kids, if you can include the kids, just, it doesn't have to be, the conversation might be over their heads, but again, just making them feel important and like they're part of the conversation can be a game changer. Now, when your child actually interrupts, it can be so challenging to hold it together and respond in a way that's respectful because we often feel so disrespected and frustrated. And it can feel like if you don't put a stop to this behavior, it's only going to get worse. You can start to feel like you're going to be raising a rude child if you don't put a stop to this behavior. It's that parenting rabbit hole that I talk about all the time where we can go down this rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, she doesn't get manners. She's rude. What about when she gets older? Is she going to interrupt people her whole life? That's going to get her in trouble. I've got to stop this. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with me? Okay, that's the parenting rabbit hole that we go down. We're not parenting the child in front of us anymore. We're parenting her at 10 years old, at 16, at 25, at her first job interview, where we're hoping she doesn't interrupt her new boss, right? That is so unhelpful to everybody involved. And we all do it, but we have to be disciplined about noticing when we're doing it and stopping those thoughts because they're not helpful. If you need to hear this, hear it now from me. What your child is doing right now at the dinner table at four is not a predictor of what she's going to be doing even a month from now, let alone years from now. So if that's part of the narrative that's playing in your mind, I see you, I've been there. This is so normal, but see if you can stop those thoughts consciously. You can say something like to yourself, you know, that's not a helpful way of thinking. I'm going to parent the child in front of me. That's a mantra that I use a lot. Parent the child in front of you, right? So just know that your child interrupting you and your partner right now while frustrating is not a predictor of how things are going to be in the future or your child's future social skills, okay? But if we can, if we feel disrespected, if we feel frustrated, if we get caught in that parenting rabbit hole, then we might say something like, stop interrupting me. Don't you care what I have to say? And we might even feel pulled to punish. If you interrupt again, you're going to lose dessert, right? This is how most of us were raised. So guaranteed, if you were interrupting at the dinner table, this was probably something you heard. And it's very easy for these things to just come out of our mouths as parents if we're not consciously reflecting on how we want to handle these things. But what happens when we respond like that is that your child feels like she's bad. She doesn't really understand why she was struggling in the first place. She hasn't learned anything about next time. And now she just feels shame. So instead, when your child interrupts, try to hold space for your own frustration because you're allowed to feel that. And also hold on to the idea that your child is a good kid having a tough time controlling the impulse to speak and be part of the conversation. And again, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, this child might also be dealing with all of these complicated feelings about where's my place in this family now? Do I even fit in? Am I being replaced? Am I being pushed to the side? And if these feelings are not conscious for your child, then they're coming out as behavior and your child isn't even aware of that. And that's why having these conversations, like I talked about in the beginning, you know, it's really hard to have a brother. You might be feeling like, where do I fit? Those conversations are so, so important. And that's why because we have to start to build some awareness. 
of some of these other things that might be at play for our kids in these moments. So you could say something like this. I hear that you have something to say, and I am so excited to hear it as soon as I'm done. I know it's hard to wait. Now your child feels like a good kid with normal and healthy impulses. And you just helped your child practice impulse control. So it's going to be just a little bit easier for her to wait next time. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. Like, and you say that and, and she's done interrupting. She might interrupt again. And you can say again, I know it's hard to wait. I really get that. As soon as I'm done telling this to daddy, then I want to hear what you have to say. Now, my children will often say, but I'm going to forget what I have to say. And so we've come up with a couple of different tricks for this. One is that we keep pencils and paper out all the time. And I'll say, well, why don't you draw it so that you remember, right? Or I'll say, why don't you go whisper it over here to your sister while I'm I'm finishing what I'm saying? So there's a couple different ways you can handle the whole, I'm going to forget if I don't say it right now. But that is in part a reality for kids. And so I wouldn't make the conversation that you're trying to finish a very long conversation. I would finish your sentence for the purpose of helping your child develop impulse control and then give her a turn to speak. I wouldn't wait five minutes and then expect her to remember what she's going to say, especially at age four. But just practicing the give and take of a conversation and practicing that impulse control is so helpful. So here's another trick that we used with our kids when they were younger, and it was really helpful. And this is something you want to talk to her about outside of the moment. But you can say to her, you know, whenever you have a thought that you really want to share with me, or you need me, and I'm talking to another grown-up, whether that's your dad or another parent at a play date, here's what you can do. You can come to me and you can put your fingers around my wrist. And then I'll know without you having to interrupt that you have something you want to say. And my kids will still do this now. The reason this works is because this gives your child a line of communication with you without having to do something that's going to frustrate you or be thought of as rude. It gives your child a silent, but very, between the two of you, very obvious way of saying, I need you without interrupting. And, you know, it's so important for kids to feel like they do have that line of communication with you because if they don't, they can start to have this anxiety about who's taking care of me right now. Now, I know that might sound ridiculous. You are literally right next to them at the dinner table or on a play date or wherever. But if your child feels like they can't get your attention, that can be really distressing. So for example, I've said this before on this podcast, but my oldest is the kid who says what I believe all other kids are thinking and feeling, but he just articulates it. So I'm very lucky in that sense because I get this inner window into how kids work, right? These are all things that I kind of thought were true based on my training and my experience as a child therapist, but hearing them from my child is so powerful. But one time he said to me, cause I was on the phone and anytime I would get on the phone, this is probably true for your kids too. He would just seem to lose his mind. He would just need me instantly. Even if I just spent an hour with him, the minute I got on the phone, he would be interrupting and asking me for all the things. So I asked him one day, he was three. I said, what's going on in these moments when you, when I'm on the phone and you feel like you can't wait to talk to me. And he said, He said, well, because when you're on the phone, I feel like you can't take care of me. And that feels scary. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) okay. Thank you for articulating that. It's true. 
When our kids feel like they cannot get our attention, it can be really unsettling. So this is why the grab my wrist trick is really helpful. So try that in combination with the things that we talked about doing at the actual dinner table and see if this is helpful. Because truly, this is a behavior that is going to work itself out, but you can do the things we talked about in this episode to support your child developing that impulse control and the healthy give and take in a conversation. But again, I don't think it's just about that. I think it's also about questioning where do I fit in this family, especially since I got a brother. So I hope this is helpful. Again, if you have a question for the podcast, you can write your question at raiseresilient.com forward slash questions. And thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here and I'll catch you next week. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.